What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. NBA 2K Mobile lets you put together your dream team with your favorite NBA legends and current GOATs. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, real quickly, had some audio issues with uh, the microphones on this podcast, so I tried to clean up the best I could, but at the end, it gets pretty rough. We had to cut things pretty short, so I apologize for that. We'll be back in better than ever next week for another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, but I got two more episodes of Bench with Bubba coming this week, so hope you guys enjoy, and here's another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 367. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bum and the Bat Flip, episode 82, creeping our way towards triple digits. Slowly but surely, we're getting there. Uh, we're going to talk some week five fab recap, as we like to do. I hope it's it's useful for you guys. I think it's fun to kind of talk about these players and why they're picked up and what we think of them going forward and maybe some drops, this, that, and the other. So hopefully it's helpful. I think it helps me review things. So I hope it helps you guys. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and the Bat Flip portion of the podcast on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend? Uh, Bubba, we're doing, we're doing great. It's May. I feel like I, I really start to enjoy the season once May starts, you know, cause we have a decent sample to look at from players, but it's, it's decent enough where you can kind of see players who maybe skill wise are struggling versus guys who are maybe unlucky or lucky, you know, alternatively. And so being able to make some moves based on that, you know, and also starting to see people, players dropped who maybe shouldn't be dropped or where, where people are getting a little bit more impatient. So I think it's a really interesting time in kind of your fantasy roster and the way that it develops and adding key pieces and stuff like that. So I'm a big fan of May and forward. That's what I'm going to tell myself since my teams are struggling a little bit in April. Um, and and that's, how, that's how I'm going to write it. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, another wonderful day. Tuesday, it's been in the the high 80s, low 90s the last few days. So it is definitely spring is over. That is official. We, we are we are into summer in my mind. So that's uh, it's fun though. I don't mind it. Uh, but yeah, baseball's cranking up. The Giants are still like leading me on. It's just it's one of those like I told myself going into the season, you know, oh, they'll be okay, whatever. Then they do this, and they're going to lead me on until like late August into September, and then it's actually going to hurt. So that's going to be fun. But uh, it's good, and I like you said with the fantasy teams. I, I'm with you there. It's like we, we said on previous shows. Okay, don't panic. At least wait till April's over to kind of see what these guys are doing. You mentioned the sample size. Like I write DFS five days a week and trying to justify uh, barrel rates and hard hit rates and stuff from such a small sample is tricky. But like I started diving into guys like Hunter Dozier the other day because he's look, numbers peripheral stats look horrible, 
because his X stats and his quality of contact. And he's the last three days he's going off. Like things are starting to fall again. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody, but you can see things like that, which is, which uh, helps as we kind of a bigger sample, as you kind of mentioned. So it'll be fun to see where it goes before we get into our fab recap. I will ask you this much because you are a very, very good uh, NFPC player and very successful um, when do you start to per se, I know saves is different because saves has just been a, a, like a landmine this year for everybody. But when do you start panicking on like certain stats, like home runs runs, like when do you start making it like more and more of a focal point in your fab process to go, I need to attack these specific stats. Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's kind of always in my mind, but it also depends on the team that I built and where it's struggling, where the injuries are happening, like what, what am I losing based on who's off my team? So it's really like kind of a situation by situation case, but I would recommend doing that. Like if you just lost Luis Robert, realize that like, you know, you're probably going to have a hole of 20 stolen bases and 20 home runs, which is really hard to fill, but you got to try to come as close as you can to that, you know, and there may not be guys on the wire, but maybe it's that you want to, that there's power guys available now. So you want to focus on power guys in the back of your mind. You want to realize that, if there are any speed guys show up on the wire that you need to be a little bit more aggressive on them to try to compensate. So I, I really think that each roster is unique and it also depends on the size of the struggle. Like if you're 15th in a category, like I have one league where, well, I have one league where I'm 15th in a couple categories, including zero saves. I still have zero saves in one of my main. That's impressive. Games. Like this yeah. far in that's impressive. I mean, it's just, it's just like one of those things where it's like, I have Doolittle in for a week nothing happens. So I take him out the next week. He gets his one save of the year, you know, just one of those. And just, just not nothing's coming to fruition. I mean, I, I picked up Michael Gibbons in that league and like we were talking about before the show, he's thrown in the fifth inning. And so maybe it was a high leverage piece and that's why he was in there. Maybe, you know, maybe Bard still has the job. We, we, we don't know, but um, you know, like, and in that league, I think I have like 30 home runs and first place has 54. I mean, that's a pretty sizable chunk, right, uh, of, of home runs that you need to make up. And so I've got to be thinking in my mind, like, it looks like power is a weak source, weak spot. So looking through my lineup, and then it's like, oh, well, I have McCutcheon. And McCutcheon has one home run before today, and then he hits yeah. two today. You know, and so just trying to think about, like, where are guys in relation to where I would anticipate them being? And, and then do I expect that that's going to continue or not? And so... You know, but you always need to be mindful of what that team is and what your yeah. strengths and weaknesses are and, and make make moves accordingly. Yeah, and I think another part of that is it's like you said, team by team it's different. And like I tweeted it out. I know you've got some everybody does, but like I had a roster of like Soto, T Oscar, like all like Starling Marte, all these guys injured. Like my whole bench was injured. And these are all guys I took in like the first seven rounds. Like I'm expecting these guys to produce. So it's like, okay, don't panic too much because they're going to be back soon and maybe they still get the back of their baseball card for four months. And, you know, that's going to be probably better than any good guy you're going to pick up on the waiver wire. So that's what you got to kind of hope for too. So I'm, I got some teams where I'm sitting back going, okay, I'm like sixth or seventh. I'm trying to tread water here and then hoping things get better before I panic. And there's other leagues, like you said, like, you know, it's just all going bad. And it's like, okay, when do I pull the pin and just blow it up and try to just throw the hell Mary? Do I do it soon, later? Like we've seen some fab weeks where some people are doing it right out the gate and it's like, that's not going to be good. Come later on. So uh, like at least for you, even very like you always are, but you've been kind of uh, like uh, safer is not the right word. Uh, more res- like resistant that's in your fab. Yeah. Conservative in your fab bidding. So all these guys are going to be out of money when there's going to be more saves guys that show up. There's going to be guys that come up and you're going to have the hammer 
to do whatever you want to maybe help you somewhere. You might not win saves by the end, but you might go from 15th to like eighth, which could be a game changer in the grand scheme of things. So I think it's like the mindset has to change, which isn't easy when when you, when you just go look at standings and it's just like, like <laughs> this isn't fun, but I guess you yeah. got to kind of have the, the grain of salt look to things right now and, and hope it gets better. But it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not at the point of like, that's why I asked you the question. Cause I'm not at the point of let's like start really attacking certain things, but I do look at it each week. Like where are my weakest, I guess if I, if I'm picking between like four guys I'm bidding on, I might put a few extra bucks on a certain category guy. Cause I know I need him type stuff. So. Yeah, just thought it'd be an interesting discussion because Fav's kind of wild and we're hitting May, like you said. So Yeah, well, and I think you make a good point there, um, too. And one of the things that I'm thinking about in that league where I I don't have any saves is I don't want to be – it's it's a balance because I don't want to be wasting reliever – I don't want to re- be wasting pitcher slots on relievers that aren't going to get me, you know, um, uh, Ks and wins, you know, and innings and volume. You know, and so right now I've got, I think in that lineup, I have nine starting pitchers in right now. I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I could actually look and, and tell you exactly. But, and the reason is because I know down the stretch, I'm going to be needing to look for saves and I'm going to need to be overcompensating later on. So yeah, I have Giolito, Woodruff, Alcantara, Ray, Means, Bumgarner, Peterson, Yarborough, and Gibbons are in right now. So those are the, those are the I have eight starters and then I have Gibbons hoping that he you know, somehow finds a way to get me to say they got they got him back out here for the sixth they're they're, they're do usually, they well yeah, maybe so. maybe he'll maybe he'll get a well he'll get the win then but yeah, um, it'll be a Giants loss but I'll let you, I'll let you have it I'll let you okay have it. cool <laughs> well, I appreciate it yeah but uh, yeah so no it's just a, I think we'll have some discussions like this once in a while I'm just kind of pick each other's brain for a bit to let the listeners know like kind of how we think of things without uh if since they're not asking this is not a slight on the listeners but the questions from preseason to in season have dropped tremendously so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start throwing stuff out there for you guys to kind of have some fun with it but uh otherwise sure. otherwise we'll keep talking off air and having fun like we always do but uh um, for sure or we'll start asking like ourselves questions but yeah. not about fantasy baseball just like yeah. existential questions like, when was life. the last time you actually had your Reese's s'mores like come on when when did this happen you, you want to know what i did the last time I had a s'more, I did not share this because it was disgusting. But I had it. I, I made a Cadbury cream egg s'more. Oh, I love cat. Oh, but this, so you said it was disgusting though. Too rich. Well, yeah, I'm not a Cadbury cream egg. Fan. I love cream. So they're, 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 they're rich. So they're rich. They're very rich. Um, and I made one just because I was like, eh, why not? Um, oh, why not? Yeah, you got to try it. Not? You got it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you like Cadbury cream eggs, it's probably tastes delicious. I might have to try it, but I even myself, like I'll get the four pack or whatever. I can only have like one at a time. Like I'm not, I'm not going down on. Like it's, it's literally like I'll have one a night for like four nights as like an after dinner dessert. So we're not in our youth anymore, but no, I, yeah, because back in college, I could just sit there and <laughs> it didn't matter. So yeah, things have changed quite a bit. But uh, let's get into some fab. Let's talk about the main man we were talking about before the show because you rostered him in a few places. And he is dealing in Anaheim tonight. Shane McClanahan, he was picked up in 430 leagues. I'm using all leagues fab on the NFPC. So 430 leagues, he was picked up. Max of 331. Again, low of $1, which always, what league is that? Because I'd love to be there. That, that'd be fun. But um, McClanahan's awesome. He's as advertised so far. Like, I knew it coming into it. He was very good. I just didn't know how the Rays were going to take care of him type thing. But so far through two starts, I know he's still – I think he's still in. I don't know. You, we were talking about he's close Let's on the border. We didn't know if he's going to get to go through, you know, the five to six innings or not. But he's been outstanding. 
absolutely outstanding. And uh, the fastball is legit. Um, go back and look at uh, – I know a lot of people have done, like, gifts and everything. Oh. With them. They took him out. They took him out. Luis Patino is going to – Back them up. That's what, that's, what they, that's what they did the first time too. So that'll be interesting to see if they keep win. doing that to kind of. I think they might do it because a it's the Rays and b if they do this every time out, they can use them all the way till the end of the season. If they otherwise they won't. But uh, I recommend anybody go check out Alex Fast and look. It's probably like five days ago, but he was tweeting out videos and layovers of his pitches. And there's one where literally he throws two pitches that go different directions. It was the most ridiculous stuff I've ever seen. So with all that being said, you can tell I really like Shane McClanahan. I didn't get him in nearly as many places as I want. And this is the first like aggressive bids I've made all season. We've talked pretty much about how kind of conservative we've been. I was aggressive on him, and it, it didn't matter. Like People were way more aggressive than me, which makes me wonder, there ain't many people with money left if this is the way it's going. So you, I think, got McClanahan in a few spots. So what's your thoughts on him? I did. I got him in a number of spots, um, including my two biggest leagues. So let's hope he does well. I'm really sad that he's not going to go in for the win here. But I'll take I'll take four innings, five Ks, you know, and uh, a one whip for him. Yeah, you know, I was convinced a little bit. I mean, number one, the stuff is kind of outrageously good. Um, you know, you kind of, you can see that visually, you can see it in some of the skills, you know, he had a 23% swing strike rate his first outing, obviously hitters need to adjust, but you know, Eno was putting out there on Twitter as well. Just his stuff metric is, you know, that, Eno puts out, um, as was like 137.5, which was the best for any starting pitcher would have been the best for any starting pitcher. Um, and so you knew his stuff was really good. You knew the velo was really high. And so the velo is going to play, especially from the left side. You know, that's just not something that put hitters are going to be used to, to seeing. And then to top it off, the projections really like him. I mean, the bat has him at a 3-4-9 ERA, a 1-2-1 whip, 106 strikeouts in 89 innings. Steamer has him at 3-4-6, 1-2-2 whip, 91 strikeouts, 74 innings pitched. So, I mean, if you, from every kind of angle you look at it, uh, he was kind of checking all the boxes for a decent sized bid. I think I got him slightly above 200 in, in one league and like around 150 to 175 in, in a couple of my other leagues as well. And, I, and so I really like that about him. I think the major question is usage, right? I mean, I'm learning about this today, right? He, he threw 63 in uh, 63 pitches. He threw 59 last week. And so we thought maybe he might get another inning to stretch himself out a little bit, but it could be that they just have the piggyback, right? They just have him with Patino afterward or whatever. I know um, on the Launch Angle podcast, Rob was mentioning, Rob Silver was mentioning that, just how, you know, nobody's really been that interested in Patino yet, um, even though he seems to have this role potentially. And now we're seeing this happen all the wins. <laughs> yeah, we're we're seeing this happen again. I mean, just vulture. It's like yeah, Ryan Yarbrough really from really a few just, years ago. Totally. Uh, Patino's new nickname is going to be the vulture. Yeah. Ah. He's like he's um, like the touchdown vulture, the Jerome Bettis of fantasy oh, baseball. <laughs> Unbelievable. So um, yeah, so I think the usage and and how long they're going to keep him in there is is the major question. But really, like I mean, even if he hits his projection, right? If he throws. 90 innings the rest of the season with those level of ratios and more than a strikeout an inning, that's going to be really, really helpful given where pitching is at today. And even though offense is down, we know that like, I mean, come summer, it's going to be, it's going to be dangerous out there. So yeah, I really liked him. I got him. I was aggressive. I felt like he was maybe a potential difference maker and 
we'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah, the worst thing is going to be concerning because I figured they'd start stretching. Like we were talking about before the show, it's like okay, fifty nine, let them go five, maybe he'll go six, like start normal progression. But maybe they just want to like ride them out so he can pitch all the way through September. We'll have to see how that goes. Patino could be interesting. It'd be nice if they pitch Patino the first inning or two, then let McClanahan go. That would be fun. But uh, it looks like that's not their their point of action right now. So let's keep an eye on that. He's going to be phenomenal. Like you said, the ratios, strikeouts. We'd like to get some wins out of him. That because basically. If he's not getting the wins, it's like, do you rather want – do you want, uh, like, Kopech or do you want McClanahan? Like, Kopech's not going to start the whole time. He's going to spot start. But he, he's going to basically be this three- to four-inning guy, TJ Anton, stuff like that. Um, it's going to be very similar roles. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. For sure. All right. The catcher's position has been just wiped out with injuries this last week. Like, I tweeted out, I took got Mike Zunino for a dollar. Like, I'm taking guys I never thought I'd take. Zunino's hitting well. I'll give him that much. But I don't believe it's going to sustain. I'm, I'm, in, I'm very clear on Zunino. But Kyle Higashioka is a guy that I've played for DFS the last two years as he gets roles because he was Cole's personal catcher, and we're already seeing what he's doing with his other pitchers because his defense is great. Gary Sanchez, not so much. And Higashioka is actually hitting decently. Got picked up in 298 leagues, as high as 222, as low as a dollar. 222 is just insane to me, absolutely ridiculous to me. Like I don't, don't want to be mean, but that's just nuts. He's like a 60-40 split at best, and he's a catcher. But um, if you want to throw like 40 or 50 bucks out because you're desperate, sure. But 222 is nuts. I think he's good, but Toby, I, I, I just can't do that. I'm sorry. If, you, if you're listening and you put 222, I apologize, but I'd love to know why. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's generally fine. Like he's a good catcher too, but I don't necessarily think he ends up being a difference maker, especially – you know, we're, we're dealing the last couple, couple years with very small sample, you know, just of him generally. Right. Like over the last, I mean, before, before last year, he was, he was, he was never on anybody's radar. Right. Um, we've had, we've had 88 plate appearances, uh, for, uh, Higashioka and, you know, we've got, we've got very high home run to fly ball rates, whether he'll be able to sustain those. I'm not quite sure. The Babbitt is low. But his career Babbitt is two twelve over two hundred forty four plate appearances because I don't think That's he, he legs out a lot of ground balls. His contact rate is down significantly this this year, you know, and that that hasn't necessarily shown up yet in the strikeout rate. So I think there's some areas of regression right here. But you know, we had a lot of catcher injuries um, over this last week, and so I think that I think he's fine to add. I just again wouldn't like you mentioned before. I, I wouldn't break the bank to get him because I'm not sure it's sustainable and, you know, and, and I don't think he's a difference maker over the course, especially of a long season. Like like one little bit of advice, and I'm still trying to be better at fab because I don't, I'm there's guys way better at fab than me. Like there's weeks I just get blown away by what took place, even on my own bids. But like, look at Dom Nunez. I think he is potentially a kind of a different maker just because he's in Coors, his power, he's playing, he's going to play more than Higgy. Well, I just call him Higgy. It's just easier for me. But um, so I think those are players. But where I'm going with that is, like, over the last three weeks, you've seen Nunez kind of picked up here and there. Go look back and see how much he went for. I don't think he went for over 200 bucks in anywhere I saw. So you, Higgy should not be going more than 200 bucks. Just look, look for similar players. And then if, obviously you might have to go more certain times. But at least it gives you a ballpark on where you should be bidding for things. And as the season goes on and people have less money, the bid should probably become a little cheaper. 
So something you should also keep in mind as you're going, because you're going to need a lot of that money you spent on Higgy later on. That's just, that's going to sting a little bit. All right. This one's interesting to me because I see the appeal for the first three games in Coors, but man, Yaz is back on Friday and they're going to get more guys. So Mike Talkman got picked up in 273 leagues as high as 312, as low as a dollar. I put some bids out for him for like 30 or 40 bucks Did not get him anywhere because I'm a Giants fan and I love Talkman and he's already played great in the doubleheader in Coors. But I'm also a realist that they have too many outfielders and they're platooning the crap out of them. It's a strong side of the platoon, which is great. But what's your thoughts on Talkman? Who I like? The, there's power, speed, but playing time is a massive concern to me. Yeah, I, I think it depends. I mean, like I, the one place where I got him and I put in a pretty hefty bid actually was in our league together in bar just because it's an OBP league. That differs. That's different. I will give you that. Yeah, and so it, it's slightly different, but. You know, when you look at Talkman over the course of a full, you know, his career in the major leagues, 509 plate appearances, 252 batting average, 14 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 74 runs, and 68 RBI. I mean, that's a very valuable profile in 15-team leagues and deeper leagues. You know, obviously, depending on the bid amount that you put in, though, like you mentioned, the playing time is going to be a major question. Like, you know, he faces all three righties, you know, um, in cores, which is great. But once the lefties start coming in, you know, he's going to start sitting then. And like you mentioned, Talkman's going to come back and they're missing a ton of bats. And I still think that Talkman will get a decent amount of run against right-handed hitters, because I do think that he's one of the better outfielders that they do have, but it's just going to be a little bit tricky. And, and the challenge with it becomes again, like if you have, you know, let's say you're in an FPC and you have an FPC and you have seven, roster spots you're going to have him in there and with so much uncertainty and rotations heading into like just days and weeks it's like how how confidently can you say oh well in this four game in these four games that the that the that the giants have you know three of them you know three of them are going to get be against righties or you know if it's only three get three games in that you know in that first half of the week like if two of the two of the three are against right-handers do you do you still put him in there so it just creates all types of like internal challenges with matching your roster and and with the dynamic nature of like lineups and and pitching today, you just need to be flexible and and his profile doesn't necessarily allow that for you. That said, I mean if he runs if he falls into playing time, he yeah. could definitely be a dif- difference maker, right? He's a potential 2020 guy over the full course of a full season. So if you missed out on if you if you lost Robert or you know something like that, you know, you can you can kind of put him in there, but again, the playing time is going to be the key to to how whether he reaches that value or not. And there will be a couple of things I'll say about him because the 2020 thing is what appeals to me as well. Like that's legit there. Um, in NFBC, it's kind of something you're talking about there. It's like okay, maybe he gets three righties early in the week. You play him there, you bench him on the weekend. It just stinks because you're trying to use like multi position guys to kind of be doing that kind of math. It's just an outfielder, so it makes it tougher, especially if you have injuries. But it's like hey, if you're one of those lucky people and you can roster guys, then he's perfect for you. The other thing I will say is the Giants somehow always follow on the banana pills. Some guys always hurt. So that's like – it's like the old uh, baseball HQ method, Ron Chandler, draft skills, not roll, and hope it, like, it sticks because the skills are there. The other thing I'll say with the Giants, if somehow they fall out of contention, or even if they're still in contention, I could see Faron doing it, he's going to trade whoever he can trade and keep rebuilding this thing. And that could free up a second half of playing time for Talkman. So I like there's certain guys where I'm just like, no, you shouldn't pay that money. I get the Talkman buy at least. I didn't bid that much. I didn't get him, but I see where he's at because his skill level compared to some other guys we talked about, like there's Tyron Taylor and stuff. The guys are taken from Milwaukee. 
good young kid, but we haven't really seen him much. Talkman, we know what he's going to do. Like, there's a big difference there. We know what he should do, I should say. So that's a big yeah. difference with him. So I, I can definitely see the appeal on that one. All right. The next one interesting with, with Yelich going down again. Yeah, that's – that's. I, I think it's serious, too, because he was out for so long he played one game. And now he's back on the I.L., not even just like a day or two off to see how he feels, like straight to the I.L. That's just like – that's not Brutal. good. That's yeah. like not good at all. So that sucks. Um, we go from one Alex Chamberlain player to another. The irony behind all this, because Chamberlain probably drafted these guys. I don't know if he still rostered them, but he probably had them both on his roster at one point. Josh Rojas went in 245 leagues, as high as 254, as low as one. I know I even got him in a league or two. I think more like 12-man leagues, some satellite leagues or something. Um, didn't get him in any 15s, I don't believe, but he's already gone deep once this week. He is hitting the baseball very well in this like second chance he's had to start. He had the chance earlier, kind of went to the bench. He's back with all these injuries in Arizona. Cattell Marte is coming back soon. Keep an eye on that. Christian Walker did just come back. So they're starting to get healthier, but Rojas is kind of forced in that angle with Calhoun out to maybe play. You mentioned Talkman 2020. I'm not saying Rojas is 2020, but similar kind of idea, I think. Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, definitely a solid player. I mean, the plate discipline is elite. Um, or yeah, borderline elite. I mean, 25.7% O swing over the course of his career, 304 plate appearances. You know, yeah, he's kind of more like maybe a 15-15 guy, but super useful second base shortstop outfield. I don't think he was available in any of my leagues or many of my leagues. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's solid. And I think he's another guy. You kind of run him out there while he gets there. And you don't necessarily feel awful about dropping him if, if gets healthy a little bit the same token kind of what you said about the giants i mean they this is the year for them to find out what what they have in him and he's playing all over he's playing i think it was right field today you know he's got second base shortstop eligibility so you know move him around see what he can do and see what you've got he, he could be he could definitely be be helpful um especially if you're playing him on matchups and trying to take advantage of that type of stuff so yeah basically over the last two weeks he's kind of started playing every day again He's striking out 30% of the time. That's not ideal. But as to like his game logs, he's hitting 378 with a 405 ISO and a 218 WRC+. He's got four home runs over that stretch. Like he is doing everything we thought he could do. Well, not probably more. But the part that really stands out over that like two-week stretch, a 16% barrel rate and a 60% hard hit rate. And I'm still talking about Josh Rojas. Like that is yeah. – like Alex – Alex Chamberlain must be just like running around. I don't want to say naked, but we've seen him shirtless. So he's probably doing shirtless, something for sure. He's probably doing something for sure in Hawaii and just loving life, picking coconuts or something. So it, it's a tough life over there. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that concerns me a little bit about him, his max exit velocity the last two years is 104.2. That's how it was the last two weeks, too. Which is kind of, um, which is like Kevin Biggio territory, although it really hasn't seemed to, to stop him from from hitting home runs uh, the way it has for, um, well, I think it has for Bijou. I haven't paid much attention to him because I don't have him, but yeah, the one thing that I would say contact wise about him is the K rate is up, but the contact rate is also up as well. So I would think that if he's able to maintain those skills that some positive regressions do his, do his ways there. So again, some good things, you know, I think overall like a very solid profile, like across the board. Would you rather have Josh Rojas or Mike Talkman? That's a good question. Um, I think Rojas has a better path to playing. I, I think Rojas too. 
Nick Rojas too. I think he went in most of my leagues two weeks ago though. Yeah, he was. Because I had most bids in for Talkman, but but not but not Rojas. Yeah. And um, I think the thing with Rojas, yeah, the multi position is really big for him. You know, I think he's younger, so there's more of a need to kind of see what they have in him. Um, and yeah, so that, that's that's what I'd go with. Yeah, I'm on Rojas too. It's I love Talkman, but man, just if you like, if we said Talkman was playing every day, now we're talking because the Giants have been batting him first or second. Like they're not burying him in the order. It's very attractive if if he plays every day. But yeah, Rojas for me as well. We'll stay in the desert here. Dalton Varsho got called back up with the, the Calhoun injury. He's basically been a pinch hitter. Somehow went for as high as two thirty seven, as low as a dollar. I know the catcher appeal we talked about. He's just not playing, Toby. So I I didn't even bother putting a bid in for him. Yeah, I wasn't really after him either. I mean, it's it's a, it's 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 depressing. Um, but you know, the thing is, I think I think back at my early draft champions and some of the guys I targeted. Right, those var shows, those um, you know, var show and Laoti Tavares and Andres Jimenez, and God, what a mistake those guys have been. And it's just like in the off season, it seems so hopeful, but it's kind of like what Jeff Zimmerman says, like players who have not shown that they're good, you know, and again, it, it could be just confirmation bias here, you know, but like players who are not that good, like with Jimenez, we didn't even think about, I, I didn't even think about him getting platooned, you know? Yeah. And with Barsha, it's like, he wasn't good when he came up. You know, and, and the projections had him as being a good player, but at that point in the draft, it's just not not worth it. Um, so, anyways, that's that's not to answer on Varsho. I mean, Varsho is is Varsho, and I agree with you. The playing time is going to be really difficult, and Carson Kelly is mashing, and so he's really looking at outfield spots. And then you got Rojas, you got Pavin Smith, who we talked about last week, and really like him a lot. So there's just, and then you have Peralta. So there's just not a lot of room for him to get regular at bats. And I think it's hard to see a ton of value with that being the case. Yeah. Maybe he proves me wrong. I just pulled up his log since he got called up. He's uh, started the last two games. He's hit safely in both games in the outfield though. So like I said, when Cattell Marte comes back and everything, it makes things a little more difficult there, but hey, maybe he runs into some playing time and gets hot, but it's a very, very small sample right now. So we'll have to see there. Cause yeah, like you said, he's kind of disappointed in his previous uh, chance to make this work. All right, a fun one here. A lot of people picked up Nick Pavetta for the two-star week, especially with Detroit in town. He threw five innings. I believe got eight strikeouts, so not too bad. He had three runs, I believe. Two runs, two or three runs. I got picked up in 197 leagues, 121 max, one min. Okay, I can kind of see it. I still don't know if I would have put 121, but I, I get it. The matchups and all. We've seen how streaming goes. I got him in a couple 12-teamers. Uh, were you interested in Pavetta this week? Not really. I um I had him off and on on a couple of teams earlier on this year, and I just can't, I just can't get there um, with him. Uh, he's done all right so far, but he's had as he has a two thirty three BABIP against when his career is three nineteen. That's always been an issue for him. His velocity is up a little bit, but it's actually not higher than it was back in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. You know, back when he was actually pitching and a starter. The skills don't jump off the page. A 7.7% K minus walk swinging strike rate at 10.5%. He's not generating any chases on pitches outside the zone. 24.6% 
around 30 to 31% is league average. So the walk issues are, are, are legit. They're real based on what he's been doing so far. And I just, I want to steer, steer clear of that because he's going to have a, he's going to have a game where he get, he has a Herman Marquez type game, by the way, what's the deal with Marquez and the giants? A, ju- jug- a juggernaut offense, I guess. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I mean, I his no- two like massive blowups at Coors, Giants, where he hasn't exited the first inning, have both been the Giants. The Giants love Coors. Like uh, I know people don't like talking about BVP batter versus pitcher numbers, but there's a ton of experience. Like like some samples are super small, and they're silly, but you go to daily baseball data. That's where I go for. There's other places, and you look at like most of this Giants lineup, especially the older guys. They have feasted on Marquez. There's just something they see about him, and a lot of those numbers are in Coors Field. It's just what they do. So, like, I had no intentions of ever playing Marquez. Like, we talked a lot about him in the preseason where I said, where he's getting drafted, it's the old story. Like, you know, if you have a guy and you can't start him for two starts, why keep him? Well, Colorado's a little different animal. And I said, where you're drafting him now, you're not paying a premium. So you can sit him on weeks like this. And it doesn't break my heart anymore. I, I I know it's people might say it's Captain Hindsight, but I would not have started him this week. Like the only reason why I, we talked about me starting Austin Gomber, actually both of us started Austin Gomber last week, was because he's on the road. Like it's just you you don't you don't do it in Coors Field, never Coors Field. Yeah, so I don't it's, know. It's, it's rough. Yeah, like people, a lot of people tweeted it, and I wish it would happen. It's just trade trade Marquez to somewhere where he can actually thrive. That'd be so much fun. But uh, we'll see. The Rockies have new ownership, but they're already making weird decisions. Um, we don't need to talk about Nico Horner. He went 190 leagues as high as 300, as low as one. He's now on the IL, so that's a bummer. But I am a big Nico Horner believer. Talked about him a lot last week. Uh, I'd still still hold out hope there. It shouldn't be a long IL stint. But uh, one I, I wanted to ask you about, Tyler O'Neill picked up in 168 leagues as high as 217, as low as one. He has been uh, pretty much on fire since he's been back from injury, hitting the ball hard. Uh, he's shown some power and speed. Been very productive. It is kind of a crowded outfield. But it looks like they're going to give O'Neill some pretty decent run here. Uh, did you have any interest in Tyler O'Neill? Um, he was not available in in most of my leagues, but not really. I mean, I'm not seeing a different player. Honestly, he's got a 269 batting average. Uh, you know, 333 uh, Babbitt. His career is 309. Um, so he's playing a little bit maybe above where he normally would. Uh, home run per fly ball rate is 31.3%. He is going to have higher than league average just because of the power, but 31.3% I don't, don't believe is going to hold. And then he has the same issues he's always had, 36% O swing, 65% contact rate, you know, um, just not not good. Um, you know, the, the stat cast data as usual is pretty strong for him. But the question is really sustainability. And so I think he's a guy like, you know, you put him in the lineup, he's getting you a little bit of speed, a little bit of pop. You know, if you, again, if you lose out on Louis Robert, it's like a somewhat similar profile that you can maybe replace him with. I don't think the batting average will be all that, that good. Um, So yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm not that interested in him for the long term, but if you want to run him out in short term or like they have seven games or they had seven games before the rainout uh, today, tonight, um, you know, if you want to run him out there, then, then that, that's great. But I don't think sustainably, I don't think it's going to be over the course of a full season. I don't think he's going to be a huge help because I think that batting average is going to get. Yeah. I grabbed him in like think one twelve, So that that's my only share, but 
He's impressed me a bit since he's returned. It's been about two weeks since he's been back. His O-swing is down to 27%. Again, super small sample. I'll, I'll admit that. But his O-swing is better. His overall contact's up to like almost 79%, which if he continues that would be outstanding. Who, who knows if it actually stays that way. Striking out 22% of the time. Babip's up to 385. So maybe things have changed. Super, super small sample. But uh, Absolutely. Even I am. So we'll, uh, we'll wait and see there. It could be quite interesting. Um, if he uh, is able to make that's a game changer, right? And that's what you're hoping for. So, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out there, but uh, let's talk about some more players here. We got Michael Givens, 145, 140 leagues, 121 max, one min. Um, I guess we can talk about Michael Givens if you want to talk about him. Michael Givens. In the fifth and sixth inning. Um, but yeah, so, Saves. I should have told people ahead of time just so you knew. Today he he had looked really good. Um, this world, but he'd really cut down on the walk rate. He was getting ahead of, you know. So and decent in zone. Babip is low, but he's. The strand weight was super high, so we were for saves. And so the assumption was that given Daniel Bar- that Givens might get the next save opportunity. Uh, case, then, you know, again, he's not a guy skill-wise that you're targeting, right? Charts. There were years where the skills were really good, but it, this isn't that guy. And so from him your mic's going in and out right now can you check your connection real quick yeah is that now you're going in and out like you'll, you'll talk for like two seconds and it'll go out for like two seconds you keep going back and uh, forth. that is that better yeah we'll keep with that for it now. is so better good. yeah no you're good you sound fine when it's on it's just kind of going like it'd be quiet and then go quiet and go so Okay. We'll see how it keeps going. No, it's because it was Michael Givens we were talking about. That's that's what it was. But now you're quiet. Emotional uh, journey I've been on over the last few days with him. There you go. All right, let's talk about the next one here. Uh, Carlos Martinez got picked up in a lot of leagues. Garrett Richards. Let's kind of group some of these together. Martinez, Richards, Ad- Albert Azale, Mad Bum. Uh, four pitchers that uh, we've seen some good signs of life from of late. I know you mentioned earlier when we talked before the show, you have Mad Bum going on a roster. I actually put some small bids in on him, going to be honest. I was intrigued if the price was right. Um, Alzelay's there. I didn't put any bids on on Richards and not on Carmart either. Uh, are you interested in any of those four guys? Yeah, your mic's busting out again. It's busting out again. All right. Yeah. Well, I wonder if I do. Nope. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's All right, let's give it a try. Let's give it a okay. try. We'll give it a try. Sorry for the technical difficulties, folks. No I'm problem. I'm going to talk. I'm going to. I'm going to make out with the mic right here. I'm going to get real close, <laughs> real loud. Um. So, um. Yeah, I think with of, of those four you mentioned, of, of those four you mentioned, I think um, you know, Mad Bum is actually super interesting to me. I picked him up last week. I started him this past week. You know, he had a really nice matchup uh, last week against the Marlins. This week, I think he's got a decent matchup too. Yeah, he's got the Marlins again, I think. 
Um, and, and I mean, if you look at Mad Bum, like the numbers and I actually, we actually meant, I mean, I'm not right on a lot of stuff, but three or four weeks ago, I said, I hope he has another couple Rocky starts and people drop him because I'm going to be picking him up and I'm going to be rolling with him. Mad Bum has a 12% swinging strike rate, a 17.4% K minus walk rate. Um, you know, everything looks a lot better as usual with every single guy who's better, his velo's up, right? His velo's up two miles per hour from last year. So is he going to be an elite, amazing, incredible guy anymore? I don't think so. But is he going to be a guy that if you play the right matchups, he's going to be useful for you in 15 team leagues? I think absolutely. Um, Alzale is also um, super interesting Um, to me. I mean, he's generating a, a decent, uh, a really nice swinging strike rate, right? uh, 14.3%. I know that control had been one of his kind of bugaboos heading into the season, but the control metrics look really, really nice. A 70.4% first pit strike rate, uh, 43.8% zone rate. So those are all at or above league average. A 34.3% O swing, well above league average. He's generating whiffs in the zone, 79.3% Z contact, much better than league average. K minus walk rate, 21%. He does have a low BABIP, so that whip is going to be impacted there. Um, But he also has a super low strand rate, so those will also probably balance each other out a little bit. So really interested in Alzale. Uh, Richards, the last two outings that Richards has had, you know, I think in in a lot of ways you got to just think like, okay, am I going to believe those first few starts that he had or or am am I not? And he looks like a different pitcher the last couple. Now, granted, those are good matchups, but guys can be really useful if you just use them based on matchups. And he's generating, they were all supported by very high swinging strike rates. I think it's 13% swinging strike rate or higher over the last 14 days. You know, so he's got a lot going for him as well. He's also got a really strong offense behind him. So there's a lot of reasons to like him as well. And then Carlos Martinez, you know, the, 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 Metrics don't jump off the page, but he isn't walking guys. He's throwing a lot of strikes. He's not striking guys out, but he's not going to have this low of a K rate. He's not going to have a 13.5% K rate. So I think that he will eventually be at a point where he can be, um, you know, much more of a contributor. So all of them I like a lot. I think it would probably be Alzale, Mad Bum, Carmart, uh, or Seamart, Carmart, Seamart. <laughs> Carmart, Seymour, uh, and then uh, and then Richards maybe for me, uh, just because Richards really struggles with his control a lot. But you know, all four of them I think in fifteen team leagues are are useful. Yeah, I'm glad you were on the same page with me on Bumgarner because even going into the season, I said if his velocity is up, he's going to be usable in fifteen team leagues. And it started out bad, but the velocity was kind of felt like it was all over the place. He's looked really good his last couple starts, at least kind of more like the the guy of old, which is good. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm on board with what we're seeing there with Mad Bum in certain situations, as you mentioned. So I'm there. I'm curious to see on Wednesday how Alzale does against the Dodgers. Very, very curious there because he's looked great. Dodgers offense is kind of sputtered. to be an interesting spot to see how that one plays out. Um, a few other guys, we saw Stassi and Astadio go because catchers are at a premium. Right? Zunino went in, in a few leagues as well. Kinsner for a Kinsner. For um, St. Louis, you make that one tough for uh, for St. Louis since uh, Yadier is out. Uh, you got Pavin Smith we talked about before, Wood we talked about last week, Gibson. A lot of these guys we talked about in previous weeks. Like I told you before the show, I was shocked Josh Stallmont was still available in 136 leagues 
as he is clearly the guy, at least for now. In the, Although he did pitch the top team. of the eighth today for the, <laughs> for, for the Royals. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're just doing week by week. Oh, that, man. That, that makes rostering things so much fun. But a lot of these guys we talked about before, some of them were kind of just like two-star guys, Coors Field guys, hit and miss, stuff like that. Anybody else stand out to you as you made some moves this week? Um, Let's see. Um, Guys that I went after. I mean, a lot of the folks that we talked about were the folks that I um, – were the folks that I added. So those were really the folks that I was, uh, that I was going after. So I don't have, I don't have many folks to add. I mean, Cole Irvin is down there and he's pitching another great game uh, this week. So he might be somebody that folks want to uh, look at uh, a little bit. Um, Luis Garcia of the, of the Astros Astros, Um, you know, he's throwing, he's pitching again, right. When Odorizzi comes back, he may lose the spot in the rotation, but Skills wise, he's been he's been lights out. Tony Gonsolin is yeah, a guy that I added. Him. I added yeah. him in a bunch of places as well. How much did you spend though? Uh, it ranged in leagues uh, from twenty seven in, in some OCs to seventy four okay. or something like that. that. That's reasonable. He went as yeah. high as he went as high as one eleven, which I guess whatever. But like even Maddie Woodens, guys that follow the Dodgers, say he's a he's a little ways away from from making an appearance. Yeah, I mean, I think he's three to four weeks is what they say yeah but if he can give you four months i mean the thing with gonsolin is i'm i'm not really worried about him pitching well you know like the injury certainly concerns me and being able to be there consistently can certainly concerns me but i'm not really that concerned about him pitching poorly because he has everything that i'd be looking for that isn't really available on the wire right like a guy who has above league average in every single skill set that you want in a pitcher Great situation with the Dodgers. You know, they obviously have a huge need now for pitching. Um, so, yeah, so Gonsolin was a guy that I also uh, bid pretty strongly on. Um, one guy who I, who I think is maybe coming around a little bit is Luis uh, Urias. Mm-hmm. Um, He's starting to swing it good. He, yeah, he definitely is looking um, – he's starting to make better contact. And some of the some of the plate skills are starting to improve, which I think is – is um is really important and then i know a lot of guys picked him up uh last week um in ex- expectation of his two-start week this week but justin dunn he was pitching really well when we started the show and his velocity he actually has the highest velocity gain of any starting pitcher in baseball right now um he still has a little bit of the control issues but he's been generating or i should say in one of his starts he generated a lot of swinging strikes he hasn't necessarily done it on a regular basis, but he's been pretty good so far tonight. He's five and a third, three hits, three walks, six Ks, one earned run against the Orioles. So again, another guy I think is kind of a matchup guy, not necessarily somebody that I'm going to want to hold on to for an extended period of time. But um, yeah, yeah. So those are those are some of the folks that I was I was targeting. Last one I want to ask you about here because it's, we talked about Tyler O'Neill and went 168 leagues as high as 217, as low as one. His teammate returned from the IL about five days ago, and that is Harrison Bader. And he went in um, 91 leagues as high as 99, as low as one. Personally, I'd rather have O'Neill than Bader, but where do you stand on that one? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Bader's got a similar very low bat- batting average floor, uh, which is which is tough, although the whole league has a pretty low um, batting average floor, That's I true. think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just remarkable. Like, what's really fascinating to me is just how many bad babbits there are. 
How many sub 200 BABIPs? It's a three-true outcome world now. It's absolutely crazy. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm not as interested in Bader, but again, he's a speed, potentially power power guy. Um, One guy that I forgot to mention um, is uh, that I had been after is Blake Trinan. Uh, I went after Blake Trinan pretty hard in some leagues and got him a number of places. He's been, uh, the skills have been off the charts. I've never been a Trinan fan necessarily because he's had that one year where he's been amazing, but he's got that new slider over his last five games. He's a relief pitcher. So we're talking like five innings, but his in-zone contact rate is 62.5%. That's the lowest it's been in the last three years. His walk rate is 0%. His swinging strike rate is 18.4%. His K rate, his O swing is 42%. And his K rate is 41%. So he's got a 41% K minus walk rate. He came in after Kenley in one, uh, one um, instance last week. Obviously, I still think Kenley's going to be the guy. But if for whatever reason, Kenley is not the guy, Trinan is a nice little piece to to stash because he could be he could be ridiculous if he keeps up these skills uh, so far this year. No, and it, it makes total sense for the reason why everyone loved Corey Knebel. You should love Blake Trinan because Knebel's done pretty much, I'd say, close to the year, if not for a long time. So now you got Trinan out there. Kenley's still going to be the guy, but it's like we said then he's going to save like seventy to seventy five percent. They're not going to run him out there a lot. So Trinan's going to get those chances to come in there and, and shut things down. Gratterall's even struggling a bit. So it makes a ton of sense to go take a chance on Trinan for, for many reasons we talked about before. In a similar vein, like I got the Giants game on right now, and Jake McGee, he's he's struggling again. Now, it's not a save situation, so maybe people say that's what it is, but he's giving up hits, giving up runs. He has not been the same guy we saw the first few weeks. He's not the same guy we saw the first few weeks out of the year. So I'm telling you, we talked about it before. Keep an eye on Tyler Rogers if you have room to just stash a guy because he's been getting more and more higher leverage situations. He's got the occasional ninth inning job when they gave McGee the day off. He's the guy right now, it looks like, if something changes. So I, you can get him cheap for a little bit longer, but that 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 leash might he, be he's, he's gone in pretty much all 15 people teamers. Start, people started picking him up, yeah, okay, because yeah. I've been saying it for about three weeks now. Like, it's coming. Everyone – you know, last year I was all aboard, and he kind of got some blow-ups. It wasn't pretty. He looks more like that uh, 2019 Tyler Rogers again that's just ridiculous. Everything's on the ground or a strikeout. So, um, yeah, if he's available somewhere for you and you have a stash spot, I would look into Tyler Rogers. Just putting mm-hmm. that one out there. All right, let's get some listener questions on this one, and uh, we'll head on out of here on a Tuesday. But we got about five or six listener questions, I believe. Walter McMichael starts out with the one. He's got a real question. He's not sarcastic. He's never a sarcastic guy. Never. never. Yeah. Um, at Real Fake Walter says, is Vlad the East Coast Mike Trout? Um, Walter, I was trying to make it a, an entire podcast. I know that's right. You haven't. I was said trying it to make show. an entire podcast without mentioning Vlad Jr., but Walter ruins it for everyone. <laughs> um, you know the reviews of the podcast have been downhill recently on uh, on my feed. I think I have like three or four straight uh, one star reviews or zero star reviews, and I think that's probably because people are just tired of me talking about Vlad Jr. I've lost <laughs> on Vlad Jr. I've lost on Vlad Jr. Um, I mean, the thing about Vlad, I think the most impressive thing for me, the major difference that I see, I mean, there's two major differences that I see in Vlad so far this year. Number one is play discipline. His play discipline has been elite, right? His O swing, I think, is around 20%. 
which is huge. I mean, his contact rate's actually down. Like if you look at it, um, that's one thing. And then his exit velocity on line drives and fly balls is one of the tops in the league. And that's always been one of my, one of my kind of poo poos of Vlad Jr. was, you know, he, um, is that his, his excellent velocity on line drives and fly balls wasn't actually, it, it's never been that good, but it's really good now. And I think we're seeing the results of that. So I missed on Vlad. He's not nearly at Trout's level, but certainly he's starting to show that outside of speed, you know, he will likely be a very elite hitter for a very long time. And the Blue Jays certainly would have, should have never considered uh, trading him. And I don't know what kind of a, what kind of a human being would have suggested that in the off season? <laughs> we all have our flaws. It's all good. Our buddy breaking Ben underscore T Ben Tid has a couple questions here. He's got more of a commenter question for Toby, but he'd like to hear Bubba's thoughts. I have five NFBC teams and in three, I started starting pitcher, starting pitcher, AKA pocket aces. And in the other two, I went of starting pitcher. I went, Oh, outfield starting pitcher, Soto and bets then starting pitcher in the leagues. I went starting pitcher, starting pitcher. I'm currently in first, second and sixth. And in the other two, I'm in last. So the ones he didn't go pocket aces. Um, the calendar just turned to May, but have your teams had similar results so far? The way things are going, I'm convinced that starting pitcher, starting pitcher truly is the way to go in 15s. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's way too early to know. And I also think that you shouldn't – I think you need to think about it as a strategy and not necessarily look at your standings to confirm or deny whether it has been successful or not. So, like, if you look at my main events, you know, which is kind of sad to do, but we'll do that anyways because I'm willing to sacrifice for everybody. You know, I, I went pocket aces in two of them. Um, and in those two, I'm in eighth and I'm in 12th. And then in the ones that I didn't do that, you know, I'm in 10th and I'm in third. And, you know, the reason for that is not because I went pocket aces. It's because... In one of those, I drafted Luis Castillo um, and Lucas Giolito. And in one of them, I, I drafted Lucas Giolito and uh, Brandon Woodruff. And in the ones that I'm doing better in, I drafted Shane Bieber, you know? And so, again, like, don't ascribe that, right? Again, if you were looking at your standings, everybody who drafted Giolito as their ace is is probably not doing that hot. Yeah. Um, but you know, we still have, he still has 27 starts to go or 26 starts to go for the rest of the season. And so we don't know exactly how that's going to work its way out. Can um, you imagine aces, those guys that went Giolito Castillo? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's rough. I, I have a Giolito Castillo. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. That's why I said it. <laughs> no, I think I have a B. I have a Bieber Castillo. I might have a Giolito Castillo. I do have a Giolito Castillo. I do have a Giolito Castillo. So, you know, again, you know, that's just kind of, that's how it works. And so again, it's a strategy. There are different strategies that allow you to win. There are benefits and, 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 and things that aren't good about each one of those strategies. And one of the reasons why I employed the strategies that I did, you know, when I was drafting in a certain spot and I liked both of the starting pitchers that were going, then I would go pocket aces. If I didn't like the starting pitchers that were left or that were available, then I would go hitters. Or if I liked the hitter more, like, I really like Manny Machado. And so I have him in a few places, you know, in the late second round. Uh, so those are just, I think, some of the examples of, you know, what you can do to, um, 
you know, that, so, so don't, don't, I wouldn't think about it that way. Right. Because it's all about it with the players that you draft that year. If you draft good players, then it's going to look good. If you don't, it doesn't. But one of the things about the two aces is that you do have some insurance if one of them struggles a little bit more. If both of them struggle, well, then I think that's mostly probably just bad luck. Yeah. And that's the point, like you've talked about forever with pocket aces, it's more of an insurance policy than like not saying like if they both hit, you're just way ahead of the game, but it gives you the luxury if one stumbles or one gets hurt or whatever. The Because, you know, you still have 25, uh, 26 other picks coming up after that. Like one reason why Ben might be winning some leagues, he has saves. Like those have been so hard to find. That's nothing oh, to yeah. do. With, that's nothing to do with the first two picks you made. Like um, there, there's a lot of things. Um, you know, I think he said he went Soto. Well, Soto's been out for half of the first month. Like, it, what if if Soto plays the whole first month? I guarantee you're not in last place. I would be willing to guarantee you're not in last place. Just just a hunch, maybe, but I'd like to think you're not. So there's a lot of like avoiding injuries and having saves right now. You'd be winning every league. I'm just gonna. It's just pretty much the way it's gonna go. It's it's been a wild April. And we got five more months to go. So have some fun with that. Um, our buddy Dan McEwen at Dan the Goat, Mister Byron Buxton. I'm just gonna call him Buxton the Goat McEwen. That's what I'm gonna start calling him because he's 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 gonna he's gonna remind us every week about Byron Buxton bold prediction. But he also has some good questions as well. And uh, anything to be concerned about with G Lito going forward or just a blip. Also, the guy in your bold predictions pod that said Buxton is the first two rounds next year. I heard a rumor he's brilliant, knows no bounds. So there's our Buxton comment. But Geo, velocity is a bit concerning to me. Um, the overall control has been a bit concerning. I'm not worried yet, but like, I'm still a definitely Geo believer. There is some concerns. And I've um, I listened to a lot of podcasts in my truck. And he's uh, Chris Rose, who was on Intentional Talk, he left. We got fired. Um, and um, he's on John Boy Media. He does a thing called the six-man rotation, and Gio's one of his guys. And so he rotates through all these professionals, like pro ball players. and Gio's on the show like once every four or five weeks. And Gio came on the week after the Boston blow-up and talked about it. And he says it has nothing to do with the morning, even though I've heard him talk about he's on a morning guy on that show. He said it wasn't the morning situation. He feels he was tipping his pitches, and he doesn't want to talk about it on the show. So I think he's working through that mechanical stuff right now, which I think is a big factor that I'm more concerned with that right now than the other stuff. That's me personally. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I'm not really concerned. I mean, if you think it, if you think about it, like here, are his, here are his starts, you know, he had, we went five innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts, you know, six, six and two thirds, four earned runs, seven strikeouts, you know, one inning, zero Ks, seven earned runs, 10 hits and walks. Then he goes seven innings, you know, or actually I'm, I'm doing this in reverse order. Sorry. Uh, seven innings, no earned runs, eight strikeouts, five, three, 10, five, two, eight. If you remove the set, the, the one blow up, you know, he's exactly who we thought he was going to be. The velocity is a little bit concerning, but he's averaging 93, seven, at least, this is, I'm using Fangraph's velocity just because it's all available to me right here. 93.7 velocity, you know, he was 94.2 in 2020. He was 94.4 in 2019. He was 92.5 in his last bad season. So he's still above a tick there. And he also has this changeup, which is absolutely incredible. Swinging strike rate is still elite. 20 K minus walk rate is 20.9%. He's walking a decent chunk of people, but I think that's all from that one start. Um, because like his first pitch strike rate, uh, is the highest it's ever been. 
His O swing is the highest it's ever been. His zone zone uh, percentage is the second highest it's ever been. So I don't think that walk percentage, I mean, it could stay there because that's his career walk percentage, but the, the skills point towards him being better than that. He's also got a 1.76 K, you know, home runs per nine. Um, you know, and so there's just these small sample size stuff that I think over the course of the season is going to even itself out. If he throws, you know, a shutout, you know, if he throws seven shutout innings, his next outing, his ERA is probably going to be in the high threes, you know, and then we're less concerned. So I'm not really concerned about Gio. What I am concerned about, what I am concerned about is the White Sox defense, the White Sox defense in the outfield. And he's a fly ball pitcher is absolutely, is going to be absolutely atrocious. Um, speaking of which, a guy who that you should go out and get is Brian Goodwin, I think, um, in deeper leagues, because he just signed with Billy them. Yeah, I don't want Billy Hamilton. <laughs> but talk about talk about a 15-15 guy, you know, if yeah. he plays every day. Uh, Goodwin is that guy. And so, um, so anyway, so I am very worried about that defensive outfield for Giolito and what that might mean for him. But I still think, you know, we're talking about a real elite guy. And a lot of times pitchers will gain a mile per hour velocity over the course of a season, um, just warmer weather and all of that, that jazz. So I, I feel pretty good about Gio overall. Um, even, even Luis Castillo, you know, I know it does not look good and it's probably the worst stretch of his career, but um, you know, Ryan Bloomfield put out a graphic on Twitter the other day. And um, I think there's an article coming out tomorrow yeah, in, in more depth years. on baseball HQ, but he is, it appears that he is a, I mean, small, smaller sample, but he, he does appear to be a warm weather pitcher. Well, it, it was interesting with that gra- that chart he showed, like the velocities, they varied a little bit. They're pretty similar, but the walks and all that stuff changes tremendously. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. I expected the velocities to be kind of different too. And now those were relatively close. Like, but the, uh, yeah, the other results stood out quite a bit. It's the control, right? It's yep, the command. Yep. I mean, Grip the ball that's why he's getting absolutely <laughs> crushed right i mean like his babbitt is 400 um so yeah so i'm not i'm not very i'm not super concerned about geo i feel good about i, I would still draft geo where i drafted him you know, maybe i'd choose darvish or burns before that you know now but um i still love geo i still think he's gonna be fine and it's like the things you said i, I got his game logs up and before the blow up in boston he still gave up two runs and three runs in his first two starts then a shut seven shutout but Eight Ks or more in each start. The walks, he still gave it two walks and two of the three starts. So the walks have always been there, but they've seen more pronounced in his last three starts. And the long ball's been there the last three starts. He's given it five home runs in his last three starts. So that's concerning. But the strikeouts have been back the last two in his last start. He was a little wild in his five and a third innings, but he still got the Ks. Three walks kind of got him in trouble. But I think he's just working on something now because he was still, he was very, very good to start the season. And then it just kind of got, uh, Blackman just walked it off. Um, yeah. Off so no, they took McGee. Yeah, they brought Doval in, not Rogers. So that's gonna be interesting. But Doval proceeded. Rogers to give up pitched like, earlier. Rogers okay, they, 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 they proceeded to give up like a two singles and a walk off homer to Blackman. So, yeah, a, a six run nine, a seventh for the Rockies to win it. That was fun. But um, Sorry, yeah, so I'm still good with Geo. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I think there's a lot to like there. Uh, I was going to mention the Duvall thing, but I didn't didn't notice Rogers. So that's good to know. I will say though, while you were talking, I got an alert on my phone. So Alex Kirilov did not play on Tuesday because of a wrist issue. Now he's going to see a specialist tomorrow because it is worse than people said. That's basically the gist of the tweet from the beat writer. So he's seen a specialist on his wrist. That is not good at all. That sucks. 
because he was starting to just crush everything in his path. And I was really looking forward to a summer of Alex Kirilov and that lineup with the boomstick and Buxton, those three guys. Like that could be just insane and it it might be bad. So keep an eye on that going forward, people. That stinks. Sorry yeah. to bring that news to you. It's the same risk, I guess, that he injured previously. Oh, even better. So yeah, then it's probably something like ligament or nerves or something. So sweet. Um, little Book of Calm has some questions for us real quick. Yeah, two questions. Who are your favorite high volume relief pitchers with starting pitcher eligibility? Like who else even that has that role other than Kopech and Whitlock? Whitlock, I like. I've actually added him in some leagues for cheap because I think he can be sneaky as the season goes on. Um, we love Kopech, Anton. Like he's going to be that guy. He doesn't have starting pitcher eligibility, I don't think. But uh, yeah, he, I didn't think Whitlock did either. I was surprised to, he wrote that. He could almost say McClanahan if they don't let him go five innings. So <laughs> that could be. In. But uh, what about you? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, but even Whitlock, he's not really like a middle. No, he's a back end of the bullpen guy. I, I yeah, picked him up. I mean, I picked him up for when like they trade Matt Barnes or something. Yeah, so he has. Well, I guess he's averaged two innings per outing, but the thing is, they're not throwing him that often. So he's thrown fourteen innings with nineteen strikeouts, and and so um, yeah, so which is which is fine, but. You know, we're, we're in week five of the season. So you divide that by four. So he's maybe getting you five strikeouts per week, depending on how those, those days line up. Um, Patino, uh, I have not seen how he is really nice to add to that list and could be super valuable if he, if McClanahan, like we're, lo- pitches, we're, we're, we're losing you quite a bit. 80 pitches. If McClanahan isn't able to get to 80, I think it could be incredibly valuable. Yeah. Um, the other question he says, um, can, should talk get every day at bats, even after Yaz is back. We kind of already hit on that. I don't think he will, but he should. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, Dave Petros yellow says on my best team so far, online championship team. I feel like I have a good grasp on all the categories besides steals and was struggling with that first, but that before I lost Lou Bob. So that's going to be a struggle. One of the guys I whiffed on, uh, so far McCutcheon shocked. He's been so bad. Might be the, the would basically the question. Would you be willing to drop McCutcheon? Now, he hit two home runs on Tuesday night, which is a bit different, but are you in the drop McCutcheon to improve your roster situation? Absolutely not. Um, and that was before – that was before um, – Especially with the Toby, ball changing. Toby, Toby, yeah. We're going to have to wrap it up. We're going to have to okay. wrap it up. You, you can't can bring it up. No. Um, so we're going to call it there. Technical difficulties kind of got us. We only had one more question. We'll save it for next week. Um, we'll get to that one, but uh, we got most of them for you guys. And uh, we'll see what we can do going forward. But we'll be back with some more fab stuff for you. You can check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDAntrix. This is Bubba and the BatFlip. We'll be back with you next time. Good luck. And uh, we'll see you then. from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. 
and our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.